This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the Extra Time Podcast. Off script, extra time then, Chris and Robbie, and it's a special tonight. We're in conversation with Avram Grant, who I've got to say, Rob, over the course of the hour that we spent with him, he didn't actually want to leave us. No, he didn't. He didn't. You'll, you'll hear why, I think, in just a few moments' time. But we had a great chat. He's a, a very gregarious character. He is. Once he opens up, once he gets going, I, I found him to be very charming and um, really enjoy his company actually and he's got a stellar career and a stellar CV does Avram you, you may have your, your your misconceptions you may have your views on Avram but as hopefully they might change if they are negative over the course of the next hour former Israel boss of course spent time at Chelsea at Portsmouth West Ham Partizan Belgrade where he won a title over in Serbia former Ghana national team boss as well he is someone who it's fair to say has a real well-rounded outlook on the way the game should be yeah, played yeah absolutely and, and we're going to focus Focus in on his time at Chelsea. I think that's what a lot of people will be interested in hearing all about. That season where it was oh so close for Avram Grant and Chelsea. We will get into that. But first, he's currently reprising the role of senior lecturer for the Dubai Sports Council's player development programme. And as he admits to us, the significance of his nationality is lost on no one who keeps an eye on current affairs. But we soon learn that Grant already has a very good handle on the game here in the UAE. I came, I think, first in 2015. I came with Ghana national team in 2016. We did a training cup here before the African. I'm very familiar, if I may say, with this place. But this time, uh, it's different. First, as uh, Israeli, it was a peace agreement. So it's good to come, you know. As a friend. As a friend. I was friend of them before, and they was friend of mine. But there is a... Uh, it's always good when there is a peace agreement between people, between nations, or whatever. And it's a good, uh, it's a good uh, agreement. But I came here for the football. You know, this is uh, the thing. This is my hobby. This is my job. And uh, they asked me here to help uh, to the Minister of Sport, Council of Sport, about how to program the football. They have some uh, ideas about uh, promoting players and to make them professional. And they asked me to give lecture, to be advisor yeah. of them, and uh, I enjoy it very much. That's what I'm doing, but they were around the world. But this is uh, for specific in this place. It's uh, it's uh, it's very nice. I like it. I've lived here for 15 years, and I would say that peace agreement is probably the most historic kind of diplomatic progress that has been made in this this country, and obviously between both countries in the time that I've been here. Quite a significant um, new step in an, in a new relationship. What did you know about the football league here, Avram, and, and the kind of football in the UAE, and, and what's been your impression of it in, in what you've seen so far? I don't think there is area like football that can unite people. So in every country in the world, and even here, you see a team. Yes, I gave lecture two days ago, and there is uh, players from six, seven countries. When I was in England, for more than ten countries. Football can unite people, and you can learn a lot from the football. About the league here, yes, I was watching a few games here. I was watching before, I'm watching now because I'm watching football all over the world. It's my hobby. I think there is a good base here. When you say good base, uh, I mean Dia Saba, uh, an Israeli who I know is playing at Al Nasser, very good player. I've commentated on Al Nasser a few times this season. I like him a lot, technically very good, coming over, of course, from China. When you watch the players here, do you think your skill set, all of what you've achieved in your managerial career, Avram, do you think that your skill set would suit the Arabian Gulf League, whether that be in the dugout, whether that be perhaps upstairs you, you, as a technical You player. mean the players? Yeah. 
I think, I th- you know what I say to my children all the time, they are 27, 25. So when they was young, I say to them, I'm not more clever than you, <laughs> but I have more experience. I yes. did more good things and I did more mistakes. So to use people for experience, uh, it's good. And if you see even now coaches around the world with experience are, are doing well, even David Moyes in, uh, in West Ham and even Luchesco in Dinamo Kiev, which yeah. was never was in the first place be- before, not never, the last 10 years. So it means that you need experience. Experience cannot come instead of knowledge, of course, but uh, this is important. I think, I think it's good that this area, they're trying to use experienced uh, people to promote the football. Yeah. I see there are a lot of passion. They're looking for any way to promote the football here, and they're on the right way. They announced some projects, but it's not a project. I see the passion. Their knowledge, their basic knowledge, they need people with experience. They did something in football. They know what is good, what is wrong. It can be in a, in a different level if you do the right process, and they're trying to do the right process now, and I'm happy to be part of it. Mm. And what would you see if you could kind of um, you know, curate your perfect role out here? Do you continue to aspire to be in a dugout as a manager? Would it be a role upstairs? Would it be a more kind of diplomatic role, perhaps, or helping the growth of the the league out here? In what capacity, Avram, do you think you would end up employed? Anything anything possible, only to avoid the the word uh, diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) Not diplomatic, not political, no, but I know you meant in a good way. I'm, I was coach all my life. Then when I came to England, I became a director of, mm-hmm. in Portsmouth and in Chelsea. And then I became advisor in a few countries and around the world. Anything that I can use my experience and enjoy it, and there is a challenge about it, I'm open for this. When they ask me if I miss the football as a coach, of course. I like to be in the dugout. I like, but it's more this. I, I miss the competition. It's you know it, it's the only only place in the world that your opponent is on the same field and you need to show that you are more clever, more strong, more strong mentally, know how to deal with problems, and it started over the week. So over the week, you are, yeah, there was all the creativity, and that's what I did all my life, and I miss it. But to share this experience that I had, not just in England, in other places, with a place like with a place like this, for me, it's like a privilege. I think football gave me a gift and to use this gift to, to, to help others it's amazing so any job can be possible but for the moment I enjoy from what I'm doing now in every lecture I started every lecture it doesn't matter for young people for senior teams for business people for politicians for, I did it for doctors for this I start with the, they ask me about football I say football is the only job in the world that you start when you start you start because you love it you don't think about the money you don't think about you spend money you spend money about clothes. You spend money about this. And then you become a professional. So I said always to the players, don't use the basic. The basic is love. Yeah. It's, it's a job that I would do it. Don't tell it to the people that need to pay me money. I would do it even for free. <laughs> <laughs> I would play I would pay, pay, play football even for free. I would coaching even for free. I love this game a lot. But it's coming that if you spoke about the professional players, they're becoming that this is their job, so they enjoy it. Yeah. They must enjoy it. Of course, on the way, and this is one of my projects here, on the way, there is difficulties. But in life, also difficulty. Don't tell me that uh, there is one person in the world that all his life is, is good. So we pay attention about the mental side, how to deal with good days, with bad days. On the pitch and off the pitch, you need to be strong mentally. Without this, you don't have a chance to succeed. You're talking a lot there, Avram, about psychology. Uh, and I'll come to something that John, we, we spent a long time with John. He was fantastic when he came in to see us. And, and John spoke about the strength of mentality in the Chelsea dressing room. 
he referenced himself. He referenced Petter, DDA, Frank. When you came in, and we're going back now, what, 13 years, 12 and a half years, Jose in the September, he's given his P45, he's told no more. You come in. What's the first thing that you did? Did you pull the senior players in and have a word with, with three or four? Can you recall that day? Each club is different. When I came uh, to Chelsea, everybody would speak about strong mentality, but they didn't do well before. <laughs> the, the, the games was not good and the atmosphere was not good enough. The first thing that I did, I decided to myself that I'm going, like I'm going to, I'm renting a house now. The furniture that I like will stay. The furniture that I don't like, I will remove it and bring others. So I did uh, two things. First thing, I called John Terry. We had a very, very nice conversation. And he asked me, what do you want me to do? I said, we are not in a good situation. I need you also to pull the time together, together. And we don't have a choice. We don't have a time. We have games every four days. We need to play against uh, Fulham. We need to play against uh, Carling Cup. And then we had against uh, uh, Valencia when... Before I came, uh, Chelsea drew with Rosenberg home. And Valencia was with David Silva, David Villa. It was a fantastic team. And I think I need you to help me because people are living in the past now. What's happened? Mourinho is not. Mourinho is there. We was busy with this. Because Mourinho is not in those times. He was not a normal manager. He was uh, the special one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it really was good. So the first thing. The second thing, I decided, as I told you, what furniture I need to change. So and what furniture I need to leave. I, I asked uh, Peter, uh, I say Steve Clark to stay, to stay because he was part of the club before. And I was looking for a European uh, coach because I wanted to change the style of the team. Not 100%. But if you remember Chelsea before I came, it was 30% of the game was long ball on Drogba. Okay, I can understand that because Drogba is a monster. You cannot compete yeah, with him. But I didn't like this game, so I decided to uh, uh, to sign Hank Tenkater. He was the manager of Ajax, and yeah. before he was working for years with uh, Barca. Barca. So I think it's a message to the players because if I would tell them he's running the training, he will not play long ball because he was in Barcelona. I think. And this message was uh, up. So these are the first two things. And other things, we changed uh, the fitness coach, a lot of things, because I wanted to, uh, a fitness coach with more touch of science about the rhythm of the game. And remember, I was speaking 2008, not now that everybody knows that. And Glenn came. Glenn was a physio. And I took him. He was the coach of... Uh, the, all his experience was that he was the coach of the reserve team in Reading. And I caught, but remember, I was a director three months, so I had a lot of uh, uh, contact. contact. So I knew that he's good. So I came to him, I said to him, I want you to be the fitness coach and put the science together because I want to analyze the rhythm of the training and this. Fantastic yeah. player, but all of them is 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I want them to be the best. And I feel that we need to manage the training uh, differently. And he came, and I remember that after three days, uh, my assistant came to me and said to me, it's a disaster. He cannot control the player. The player don't like that you burned on someone that he was the, the coach of uh, the reserve team of Reading. So I said to them, this is my decision, and I will not change it. In one hand, it's not easy to control uh, egos. In other hand, it was, it, after a few, it was easy. Because my method, as I say to, I remember that Roman Avramovich said to me one time, he said to me, you, something, Mourinho was like this. I said, look, there is Mourinho, there is Wenger, there is Ferguson. Let's say we say Klopp, we have Pep. Tell me, each one of them is different. Yeah. So I will not be like them. I, I need to, I feel that uh, as a coach, I'm director of a movie. The stars is the football player, not me. I just need to give them direction. And when they are doing well, I need to leave them. 
with, with the time, it, it worked very well. And we had really fantastic season. I, see, I saw that it could be a fantastic base for the future, but, you know. <laughs> and that little rueful chuckle, I think, just about says it all. There is no doubt that Avram, well, he's got regrets about the way that his time at Chelsea ended. And that's exactly where we're going next. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. This is Extra Time. You're listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 sports special in conversation with the former Chelsea, West Ham, Portsmouth and Ghana boss Avram Grant. Without further ado, we're delving straight back into this. It's great insight from Avram here as he details exactly how he went about restoring belief and results to Chelsea following Jose Mourinho's tumultuous departure. That was back in September 2007. That being said, walking into that dressing room with all the naysayers looking on, all the critics... From everywhere, from the from the fans to the media, that must have been daunting, was it? I feel that always I need to prove myself. It doesn't matter if I was in a good situation in uh, Israel or I'm in Chelsea. I always feel that I need to prove myself, and I always concentrate. By the way, that's what I say in my lecture when they ask me about the pressure. I say, what pressure is here? You need to to focus on the steps that you need to do now. So I put I put myself at three targets: what I need to do by the football side. And, you know, I have experience enough to know, <laughs> to know that it's a game of result. You know, I would describe my, my role. I'm as good as my last game. <laughs> if, I'm, if I win, I'm a hero. If I lose, I'm a zero. Yes, okay. It's not exactly, but it's more or less like this. So the only, the only thing that you fight with this is what I said to the players that they are not in good condition. They said, the media spoke about me. The, the manager said to me, I think even in Chelsea, one of the big players said to me, the board is not speaking good about me. I said, that is the board. You didn't score four, go- four games. What do we want to do? Well, who cares about the board? Score two goals and you see the board will like you. You need to give results on the pitch. And that's what I felt that I need. I need to bring results and I need to focus about this and not to focus about the media and understand the media. You know, someone came from small country and came to Chelsea. Uh, one of my friends said to me, a, big, a good friend of mine, he said, why you take a team after Mourinho? You can be the clown of the world. And many, even my friends, didn't like it uh, sometimes. And to be honest with you, if I would sign in Chelsea 10 years before, I, do, I don't think I could uh, manage uh, do not big, not not just because of the knowledge about the football. I had the knowledge since I was 20. I was studying everywhere. I don't know if you know, I was uh, with Paisley one week when nobody could go there. I met Ian Rush, by the way. You know, you yeah, know that he's yeah. here. And I saw him. I was in the training to see. <laughs> and everything. I studied the football, but it was not the knowledge. How to deal with ego. I need more experience. And I got it in the Israel national team and in top clubs in Israel. It's not the same like in England, but the principle is the same. So when I came, when you need to deal with them, for me, it was a little bit more easy than uh, for others. But to answer your question in one second, everybody needs to know, if you're speaking with people that they are coaches, you need to prove yourself on the pitch. It doesn't matter what the media said. I'm sorry, I have a lot of respect to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Father. I know. <laughs> I have a lot of respect to you. It's matter what you're doing and what you need to do to, to bring your results. And one of the things that you need is to take the best from the players. And it's not easy because uh, players today... Remember, in Chelsea, I had, it, it was the last year that uh, you could put only five on the on the bench. Yeah. So 11 players, 10 international, was not in the bench. Sean Roy Phillips played for the, the... He was a starting 11 of uh, England. Mm-hmm. He didn't play. Uh, Shevchenko was the player of the year, was not even in, in the squad. I remember that one time Hank Tenkate told me, when are you going to announce the squad? I said, three, four o'clock. He said, three o'clock, I'm going home. It will be a <laughs> fight here. <laughs> <laughs> I so, love it. 
Yeah, so you need to, to, to do all of this. I needed experience, but uh, and I used all my experience there uh, to put the players because I had a player that they know football. I needed to give them here direction. Uh, I, if you remember, I'm the first one that played with Lampard and Barak together as a policy because until then Michael Essien was there yeah. and then Michael Essien moved to be a right back and they did well. The reason that I did it because I think football at the end of the day is to scoring goals and Balak and Lampard know it better than anybody. They are not quick, they are not one against one, but when they come to the box, they are one of the best ever. And yeah. I just want to pick up on, on something there. And again, we come back to John. He was very honest with us when he told us that, you know where I'm going with this, Moscow 2008. He said that even today, 12 years on, he will still sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and he actually got quite emotional, didn't he, Rob? He did, he, yeah. he actually, he, yeah, did. He, was, he was close to tears with John. He says, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think of that night. The famous image of you and John. I mean, give us your recollections, first and foremost, of the aftermath. And again, Avram, does it still, do you constantly think of that night and what might have been? You know, I will tell you, there is not even one interview, even the interview about uh, my wife. She's a very famous in Israel yeah. that people don't ask me about, uh, about 2008. And about the penalty. <laughs> I remember that I was with my friend in a convention a few years ago in Las Vegas, and Americans start to ask me, say to me, you know, it's good that you lost by pe- this way. Say, because if you win, nobody would remember this. Now everybody remember the penalty. <laughs> I said, let me win. and we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true because, uh, you, you know, I spoke about this a lot, and sometimes... To be honest with you, I don't want to speak about it anymore. No, 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 not with you. It's, it's okay. Uh, I understand. Uh, but always people take me back to this. And I, have, uh, I will tell you even that sometimes, uh, you know, when I, every place that I came in, uh, I, I came to be consulting, when I came to a new country, there is a press conference. And always one of the, ma- the first three questions is about the penalty. And I have always the same answer. I say, I, I forgot it a long time ago, but you always remind me this. Yeah. So, But I, I cannot forget it. Because it was a very unique season it, for me also, especially in a thing for Chelsea. Chelsea, we played, first, every month we played better. And then we came to the last uh, one month before we beat Arsenal. Arsenal at those time was fantastic, second place. And then we beat Liverpool. And then we beat Man United, three games to the end, and became the same points like them. So we played, and then we came to the final. It was much better than Man United, except the first 15 minutes with the the bar, with the post, Lampard and uh, and Drogba, and we felt that we deserve it. And then Ronaldo missed the penalty, and ah, before of that, uh, po- uh, Didier, that need to be one of the uh, penalties taker, got the red card. Yeah, and uh, John, that was not supposed to be one of them, but he took responsibility as the fifth. Uh, he came there. And everything went like we wanted. Ronaldo missed the penalty. Van der Sand jumped to the to England. To the right, yeah. We were there in this, but he slept. So, but this is how can I say? There's a thing that cannot change. That happened, and then Anelka missed a penalty, and uh, we lost the final that we deserved to win. And nobody, nobody remembered that we deserved to win. How do you reconcile? Obviously, you know the the perception, perhaps in some circles, that that you were kind of a nearly man at Chelsea. And yet you put together winning sequences of, I think, seven and then nine. I think that was a club record at the time in all competitions. Chelsea had never reached a Champions League final. You took them to a Champions League final. The width of a post denied a Champions League victory. For a manager, as you just said, a results-based business. And yet you've got to somehow just digest the fact that you came within an ace of, of winning not just one competition, but you could have done a treble 
that season. At Chelsea, when I came, there was not identity of football. And it was to win games. The owner put a lot of... By the way, also now, the owner put a lot of money to win titles. I tried to, to do the same something through this. And I think it could be a very, very good base for the future because I received the team in, only, in a very bad situation. So I think first he tried to, I tried to solve this and uh, play good football, good atmosphere, everything was good, and we, we achieved this. We was unlucky not to win the league because, okay, the league didn't win if, uh, if the percentage uh, of points that I took as a manager was in the sixth game before I took the team. We was champions for Champion. that. And I think if the, game would, if the league would continue two more games, we could, uh, because it was the same points in one United, but we came a lot of behind. In the Cali Cup, we lost the final because in the Cali Cup, it was, uh, you know, we did a good way. We, long, we went against Liverpool, we got several other, but we lost the final. But I think, and of course, Champions League. That, uh, But I think I'm very proud because it was, you know, I believe in the process. And I think in the process did that we came as Chelsea to Champions League final. We deserve to be there. We beat, and one of the symbols that we beat Liverpool in the semi-final, the same Liverpool that... Chelsea, it was a very unique situation. Remember, in three, in four years, two, uh, two teams from the same country and the same uh, position of Champions League semi-final are, are fighting. Liverpool won two times, and then we came and, and we won against Liverpool, and we won a fantastic game, if you remember the game. And we came to the final, first time in the history. So I believe in this. When you come first time in the history, even if you don't win, it will be again. But from my, my side, I think... You, you know my relationship with Abramovich and everything. I think it was a mistake not to stop this process because the team was on the way up. Tuck, 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 tuck. No doubt. No doubt. Everybody, that, even criticism, was not criticism, by the way, about the football. And the way up. Two years after or three years after, I remember that Bayern Munich with Jupp Hankes was fighting with Dortmund about all the titles, if you remember. Yeah. Bayern Munich lost to Dortmund the cup, lost the league, and lost on the final to Chelsea. Even there was dominate game, but who remember? There was mm-hmm. 21 corners against one corner, yeah. but the, from the one corner, Didier scored. So I thought, look look at the management of, uh, of Bayern Munich. If it was any other, any other club in the world, maybe, or Chelsea or others, they would suck the coach, yeah. yes. We lost three titles, and not two big teams. To Dortmund, but Dortmund is not in the level of uh, Bayern Munich, with all the respect. And to Chelsea, the worst season ever of Chelsea, sixth place in the league. So you would say, no, but they decided to stay with the coach because they thought, I spoke with Romini Gerafsen, he said, because we thought that he had the experience with the team. The team played well, he said, it was unlucky. So the second year will be a little bit better. And the year after, they won the cup, they won the Champions League final, and they won the league. Yeah. I think Chelsea was in the same situation, the same situation. So there you have it then, Avram Grant believes that he should never have been let go by Roman Abramovich, his good friend at Stamford Bridge. Up next, we'll get his thoughts on the revolving door at the football club and why when it comes to building a successful team, a balanced squad is much more vital than a collection of Galacticos. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. This is Extra Time. Welcome back to the show on this hour-long special with... I think it's fair to say an often maligned yet thoroughly charming and insightful man in the shape of the ex-Chelsea boss Avram Grant. Now in this next clip he names the manager or managers I should say who he believes influenced the game or have influenced it more than any other. But first we were keen to get Avram's perspective on this current Chelsea team and whether Frank Lampard who was supposed to represent a change of direction for the club should have been given more time. 
it's very difficult to answer this question, but I can tell you that the policy uh, in Chelsea, uh, since Abramovich take it first, we need to give a lot of credit to Abramovich. He took a club and he made it a big club. Hmm. Chelsea was not a, a big, big club like today. Now he's one of the biggest in England and one of the biggest in the world as a club. And he did it, and he, he did it uh, in a good way. They could achieve more, I think. I could achieve more with this investment of money and everything, but they achieve uh, good things. But managers, I, I don't like this policy, but the policy was is, is is the same. You know, it's always, if you follow, if you follow Chelsea, you see that every manager that have four months not so good and the way on the, t- on the, the team on the way down, uh, they sack the manager. And... Uh, this is this is th- this is thing that every manager know it before he's coming. Mm. I knew it also. I'm the only one, by the way, when the, the team was on the way up and this. But it's a different reason. But all the managers that was sacked, it was a manager that took four, or five months, or three between three to five months that the team was on the way down, lost, but on the way down. But football and other. We leave Roman for a moment. I think I said to the on- one of the owners of the team, he said, to me, "Do I need to sack the coach?" I said, "I say sometimes the coach that is not doing well, if he's intelligent." And if he's strong by the character, it's better than to bring someone from outside because he knows the he knows uh, the problems. He knows the problem. Mm-hmm. He can fix it. So not all the time to suck a coach is a good thing. And I think as a policy, I don't personally I don't like it. But uh, Chelsea is a very very successful club, and all the credit, all the credit, we need to give to Abramovich. He, I know that he's an enigma for you. He's not speaking, but he's a good man. Yeah, and, and listen, you are always linked, Avram. Whenever Chelsea are going through a little <laughs> bit of a, a tumultuous period, Avram Grant's name <laughs> pops up again. Roman might be picking up the phone. You are still good friends. He, he still, you, you still converse. You are still in touch with one another. We didn't come to speak about my personal uh, <laughs> friends. Uh, it was, it was good to me. He gave me the chance. I didn't like. When he stopped me, of course, I, I told him in his face I didn't like it. Nobody's perfect, but he's one of the good guys, and he did a fantastic club, for my opinion. They could do better. They could do better. You know, everybody can make mistakes, you know. I, for example, didn't like that uh, they sold De Boyne, and they sold Salah, and they sold Lukaku, and they didn't sign the Neymar. But every club can make mistakes about this. But this is part of uh, life. But, and, but if you take general, it's a, it's a good club. A good club, and they could, and they will take a few champions. They can think also in the future. Yeah, I was going to say with, with the squad that they've got now and the manager that they've got now, uh, do you see them? They're not quite at that level, are they? They're not r- right at the sort of title contending level since since Eden Hazard's last season at Chelsea. Do you see them getting back up to title challenging level within the next year or so? When you ask me this question, the first thing that I'm looking about if they have the players or not because you need a strategy you need a lot of things but you need the players to do it mm. and I think they have the good players now they have a very good goalkeeper they have a good defenders Rudy J for me is one of the best defenders now uh, in the Premier League you see it now when he's playing uh, they have a good midfield player Kante and others ok they spend a lot of money about Havard that for me is a big talent about uh, the other players from Ajax, from everywhere, Timo Werner and nothing. So I think they have the squad. They need to put them together. But I don't see any other team that have a better squad than them. That you think their squad's better than City's? This is a good question. I, th- I don't think that City now, after David Silva left and everything, have better squad than others. I think what's happened now, they have a very good team, but they have a very good squad. But tell me one position that they have a top, top player now. Top, I mean... 
like uh, like they had like David Silva or others. I don't think so. De Bruyne. Oh, De Bruyne is top class. Yes, is for me is uh, the best efficient player in the world. Yeah. If you look his numbers since he played in. Uh, Uh, not in England. De Bruyne, yes, I agree with you. De Bruyne. But I think, look, when you come to, uh, uh, they are a very good team. Don't understand me wrong. They are a very good team. But I say when you look, sometimes there is a lot of stars everywhere. I don't see a uh, star. I think Pep Guardiola is doing a great job with a very good players. And he understood, which I understood before, a big team, your weakest, your weakest point. If you talk, you ask me, I think, one of you asked me about uh, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you can have three good players, the other could be totally average, and you could took a title. Mm. Now, your weakest, your weakest point. Remember, Klopp is a very good manager, yes? Yeah. Pep is a very good manager. The first yeah. year, they didn't took any title, not even the Carling Cup. Why? Because the goalkeeper was not in the level, and they didn't have a defender. When, when uh, Liverpool bought Van Dijk and the goalkeeper, they become a good team. And the same happened in Manchester City. Today, your week is your weakest point. It's interesting, just quickly on that, Avram, that, that uh, if you look at the two major signings that have made a massive difference, Liverpool with Van Dijk, Ruben Diaz with Manchester City, yeah. and yet there is still this culture, certainly in English football and also on the continent as well, of just this desire to sign attacking players. And it's a trap that Barcelona have fallen into recently mm. where they bought, spent a lot of money on attacking players that haven't worked out for them. And they've had an imbalance in the team where they've never really replaced Xavi and Iniesta in midfield. Busquets obviously a lot older now. But there is that sort of desire by owners and chairmen to, to go after like £100 million attacking forwards when actually you know, a, 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 an astute signing of a great centre-back can win you a title. I think, if I may say, I don't give you marks, it's a very good question. And I will tell you why. Because when I came here, one of the things that we are doing now, I don't know if it's secret, but they will not anger about me, they, they decided to have a director of football in each team. Yeah. Which I think today in the mode of football is very important because the coach has a lot of things to deal with. Tactics, players, and everything. So you need director of football between the owners that sometimes, I'm sorry to say, he came from business, so we don't know the football, and the coach, which I did, if I may say, in in Portsmouth and in Chelsea. It's a very, very important role today. Why it's very important to, uh, role today? Because, as you say, owners, they heard from the neighborhood that you need strikers, which is good, yes, because football, play, football if you play without scoring goal, what is it? But I mentioned it in my previous answer, Today, you are weak as your weakest point. If you have the best attacker in the world and you don't have defense, you don't win anything. Today, you need a team. I think today, I started the answer when I said 30 years ago, today you need a balanced team. There is no, the world attacking football, defensive football, I think, finished from the world. Owners, the owners, that's in Barcelona. Tell me who is the guy that from the football, who is the director of football in the last two or three years? Nobody. Nobody. So they need to get the decision. Look at Man United, yes? Yeah. Man United, no director of football. So the people that came from the business tried to tell me if I will go, if I will be, if I will buy a hospital now, I will tell the, uh, the the doctor how to make the surgery. No, no, I will take the best doctor, put it in my head. I said to him, you're in charge of the doctors. And that's what they need in football. This is what Man United is not doing and other clubs are not doing. The team, look, the team in the last year that did well, the team that had a good director of football, that took a decision what to do, yeah, what to do. What yeah. to do? Which players to take? Which balance? Why do you think? Liverpool was great, yes. Very good coach. Very good attacking. Very good singer. Until Van Dijk, Van Dijk came, they didn't want anything. 
true. And look what's happened when he's not playing now. So you can be the best. You need their players. And the, the job of the director is to balance the team today, to, t- to make a team with a balance. And I tell you a secret, but don't tell it to anybody. <laughs> when I was director and I was thinking, I was thinking about taking players that will be a nightmare for the other team. <laughs> team that I think, I always close my eyes and think I'm in with the other team. I need to play now against Chelsea or against, I was in Portland. Okay, Portland, the target is not to be in the highest level. Which player I will take? That will be difficult for the other teams. And the first thing that, uh, not the Fed, but one of the things that you need to take defenders. If you take a fragile yeah. defender, what will happen? And mm-hmm. I'm telling you again, the best example is uh, uh, City and Liverpool in the first year of Klopp and. Uh, can can and, I uh, ask, Alvin, there's no doubt that you're a student of the game. I mean, you're a, you're a lecturer here, <laughs> you are teaching, you're imparting your wisdom and your experience. But uh, listening to you, I can also see you're hugely knowledgeable. You've gone, as you say, 30, 40 years ago, you travelled Bob Paisley. You went and you watched and you learnt from other people. When you look at Pep and Jurgen, and, and I'm putting names in your mouth, you might tell me a different manager. Who is a manager in world football today that you're looking at and thinking, wow, he is doing things that is psychologically top, tactically top, who is that? Who is that person that you admire the most? It's a difficult question. Uh, I think there is a good manager now, but they were not just in the top teams. I will tell you something that you can compare for the old days. Three successful teams, I will tell you, that for sure you remember them. One of them is Milan. Saki and, or Capello? And Milan, yes. Saki became the coach. And I had a negotiation with uh, Berlusconi uh, to take over Milan 10 years ago. And I say to him what I admire, that how you took Saki. He took Saki from the second division. It was with Parma, I think. And he said, by the way, Berlusconi always know how to uh, to choose the coaches. He took Capello when he was, uh, yeah. I think, director of hospitality or something. He said, if he will do with my players what he did in Parma, will be champions in Europe. And that's what's happened. And Saki was good. And I met Saki by coincidence a few years ago, and he said to me, you did a good job. I said, what did he do? I came to see your training. He was amazing, amazing coach. So he took, I think it's a, go- a coach with a vision. Del Bosque came to be in, in, uh, in yeah. Real Madrid. I was in his office. He even had television that he threw his shoes to the, the operated television. <laughs> but he was a, a big brain of football to know which player to disturb, which player not disturb. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe Real Madrid the best ever. The best ever. So it's not only coaches with a name. The coach, you sometimes you need to coach that create a name. No doubt that Klopp is very good and Pep is very good. And there is other manager. But each one of them is different. For me, Arsene Wenger was maybe the most influential manager ever in the history. Because really? Yes, because Alex did fantastic. But Arsene came to a team that was boring Arsenal. I don't know why they call it boring. They, they took few champions and changed. For the team, and until now, Arsenal is a symbol of a good football. Did you think 30 years ago that Arsenal would be a symbol of a good football? Nobody thought about it. And he changed it. He was influenced about the style of the football, the style of living. I remember about nutrition, even. Uh, Saul Campbell was my player in, in Portsmouth, and he said to me, he changed, changed the way of thinking of everything. So he was, I think, he's, he's the manager, one of the most influenced manager in the history for me. Well, Avram, fair to say, not the first to cite Wenger as the man who did the most to change the game, certainly when it comes to the Premier League. Now, in the last part of our chat, we will be looking at football's future. What do the next few years look like for the beautiful game? That's still to come. 
This is Extra Time. In this last part, Avram casts an eye over football's future, but for all the newfangled methods currently in play, he insists that some things will never change. Take a listen. Coaches with experience are doing well now. David Moyes, uh, Luchesko and Dinamo Kiev. Every country, now you take coaches that are 70, 75, because today is not only about tactics, not about also about the strategy. You have a system that you, it's how to deal with problem, how to deal with players, how to deal with different situations. So today it's not that to take, of course, each coach with his philosophy. If you sign the Mourinho or sign Wenger or sign Klopp or sign this, you know that they're different. Each one is very different. Yeah. But they, if you change, if you start with uh, uh, Pep Guardiola, you know that he plays certain way of football. Tiki Taka, they call it. By the way, the first that started Tiki Taka, I told Ian Rush, was Bob Paisley. But they didn't call it Tiki Taka. You are young, but I remember Liverpool started to play until now most... Pass and move. Pass and movement. And even he, he signed Del Glish, not instead of a tall player, that he couldn't play, uh, you know. He started this. And why I mention it? Because I like coaches that see two steps ahead of, uh, of everything. Saki was like this. Wenger was like this. Okay, just on that then, Alfred. And today is, also, there is a good manager. Well, what's the next footballing evolution? Look into that crystal ball of yours. Where does football, Robbie's alluded to it, the gegen press. You have all these buzzwords, the low block. Low block, to me, is just defending deep. You know, parking the bus. Thing. Yeah, parking the bus, defending the low block, gegen press. All of these fancy fandom words, fan newfangled words. What is the future of football? You remember Wally Dance? He was, yes, he, he was my assistant in uh, West Ham. In West Ham, he was my third assistant. He was a funny guy. One day, you know, I'm a very organized man, and the fitness coach need to give me the, you know, <laughs> the, the the plan, and it was activation. <laughs> so I said, Wally Dance said to me, "What is this word? What is activation?" I said, "It's a warming up." I say, oh, now I understand. Nothing changed, only the words. <laughs> why they call it warming up? I say, why activate? This is the new generation. <laughs> so many things didn't change. But the football is more physically now, yeah. more ta- more tactical, more, uh, you know, pressing high or not high. The team is more short than before. I think the next evolution that in every, it started, by the way, in every position on the pitch, you will have all-round players that they know to do everything. The main will be this, but I think you will see that the defender, when he will go to the midfield, he will go, uh, have a vision of the game and everything. And you see a striker, when he go, he, he went deep, he will know how to defend. His main position didn't change. It will stay the same. Striker to score, defender to defend, and uh, this. I remember that one of the coaches said to me, I have a good tactic. He said, well, I'm with blue. I said to the player, blue, pass to blue, not to the green. It's <laughs> a very good tactic. Now you will win all the games. <laughs> but I think the next one, it will be all-round play. In any position, you will see more and more qualities, more wow. and more qualities. And they will change even uh, position during the game. As a coach, I want to create problems to the other team. So problem can be tactical. No, the first problem is a good player that know how to create problems, but then tactical and then movement. As, because today you do the presentation about the game, you know, everything there is. So the sec- I think the first, it will be this. Second, of the pitch, it will be by the technology. And third will be by the medical. I will tell you why. Because now, it can be that you have Armstrong and you are four weeks out. I think in two years you will see they will invest something. And I came from a country that, especially in high tech, that the player will not be injured more than uh, one or two weeks. Because, look... 
Van, uh, Messi was injured two years ago yeah. when there was a six point ahead of Real Madrid. They lost, uh, they lost the cup. Today, Liverpool, they oh, lost right. Van Dijk. Look what's happened. So in the end of the day, what can we do? There is good players and there is very good players. Yeah. So I think the medical uh, will, be, will be a big impact and a big, big improvement. Uh, in terms of the best players in the future or for at least the next five, six years, it, who is going to be the king of football for you? Is it Mbappe, Haaland, someone else? I think both of them, for sure, for sure, Mbappe is. Uh, it was, you know, it was very symbolic for me that in 2018 he played against Messi, and I did the column for one of the magazine in America, and I say, look, change of kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> this is the World Cup game you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, change of kingdom. They, they beat, uh, uh, they beat uh, Argentina, and I say, look, the king that the, the new king is came. It reminded me that it was a big, big. You know, I'm a big fan of basketball. You know, he's Michael Jordan, yes? Yeah. And uh, I was with Magic Johnson one time. He was, uh, and he told the story. Uh, by the way, he saw it on the media, but to hear it from him, it was, uh, he said, me and Larry Bird was the, star, the, uh, the stars. And he said, in the, how do you say, the big team for the World Cup, the dream team. Yeah. The, he said, the, the games between us more more competitive than we need to play against Croatia and others. And then uh, we played the first, and then we was, all the little bit we came then it was a very competitive game and one of the young stars I don't remember his name was marking Michael Jordan and until the fourth quarter he scored only uh, four points he did very good job so when they started the fourth the young guy came to the bench and said you see what do you think you see I will mark him and Michael Jordan very very angry and he scored in the last uh, the last quarter 30 points <laughs> And he came to Larry and they say, said to him, tell this young guy there is a new sheriff in town. <laughs> and he said, and he said, and we was watching and we knew that it's him. So it was, I think, the game in 2010, it was change of kingdom. Messi, fantastic. Ronaldo is fantastic. But the new one is Mbappé. Holland is a very, very good young player around the world. By the way, if you see now the young national team of even England, fantastic yeah. players. Fooling. There's a lot of good players. And you will see players that will be more all-round players. I can see that. I can see that. We're excited. It will take three, three, four years, and you see that the player that play in the wing will change position with the others, and uh, they will not. They will, they will know to do everything. everything. And as I told you in the me uh, method of training, the training will change. The next time that I will be in charge in a team. It will be specific uh, coaches to each specific well, area. Because imagine, imagine if I take you even. Yeah, to I even can goals. A, a simple thing. Okay. Goalkeeper. To, to work with you in crosses. If I work with you 20 minutes every three, four times a week, and I will work with you only about this, you will improve your game for sure. You say from there, your next job, anyone who is watching this, who will listen to this, I don't think it's going to be long before you're back. <laughs> it's been illuminating. It's been fascinating. I could talk football with you all day, Robbie, as well. I think you're a man who studies the game. You know the game. Cannot thank you enough. It's been an hour, Avram. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast. With myself, Chris McCarty, and Robbie Greenfield. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.